life might hand you budgets, schedules, family, and responsibility. But driving shouldn't be just another chore. We're here to help you find a car you love. Something that fits your budget and your needs, but is fun to drive and makes you look back. I'm Todd. I'm Paul. And this is the Everyday Driver Car to Be. You've waited, we've promised, and now it's a thing. <laughs> Season two is on Amazon. Yeah, no kidding. We're pretty stoked. This is great. This yeah, is great. I'm actually really excited that we finally got through kind of all of the hurdles that relate. And each season kind of had their own little issues. Yeah, right, right, right. So we've got them both up there now. We are following with our feature films, so they aren't just available on Blu-ray for Amazon. Those will also be available streaming. That is coming, too. But we wanted to get the TV up on its feet. Many of you have asked. Season two is now there. There is only one problem, though. Well, it's not really a problem. It's not a problem. It, it's a realization. Yes. A lot of this process has been realizations. Yes. Thank you to the very many of you who have given us great ratings for season one. Those ratings don't apply to season two. <laughs> That's the bottom line. It's yes. not a global, it, it this is what I think of every season, day driver. not yes. the brand, unfortunately. I'd love it if it applied to the entire sure. TV, whatever we post. But here's, here's the good news. If you're a person who likes to rate stuff on Amazon, <laughs> we have a product for you. We would, we would welcome your stars, whatever number that might be. But, and, and it'll help people find it. But of course, as one other bit of disclosure, both of these are available on, I want to be very clear, both of these are available on Amazon Prime, yes. which is Amazon's video service. Yes. Now, season one is Prime, meaning free. Stream it now. Right. Season two is on demand, which means you can rent it or buy the season. And, of course, if you buy the season, there's a pretty steep discount. So just to clarify, that's the situation. It's all up there now. To those of you that have asked, it's there. So thank you. I will add to that. And thank you guys for watching. But mm -hmm. please do watch it because this season is probably what most of you haven't seen. If you don't mm -hmm. get Velocity Channel and you haven't seen any of our work for Velocity because we keep talking about it, Now's your chance to go see it, and please watch before you rate. We definitely, of course, want honest mm -hmm. reviews, but so far, guys, thank you so much. The reviews have been incredible. Todd and I are both honored. Yes, really. for sure. Because we're asking, but uh, obviously it's coming straight from you guys. It's, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's coming from the heart, you know? Yeah, and, uh, for sure. Yeah, please watch the season again because there's some stuff up there that we're proud of. Like we said, the lemons piece surprised us from the response it that people really gave. Did. It really did. Yeah, it was it floored us actually. Mm -hmm. And even the lukewarm hatches was something that people really liked yeah. because it yeah, was yeah. relatable to shopping, just shopping alone. Yeah, the interesting thing is the the lemons piece and the the PCH the California piece are more what I would call adventure pieces. They're less about reviewing the car and more about the, the experience that we're having. Yeah, when you and right. I started the show, we, we wanted to cover not only just cars that were affordable and accessible, but also driving-related experiences that are affordable and accessible. Yes. So yes. we And I won't bore you with all of the, the backstory, but the Lemons piece and the California piece – they we kind of stumbled into those ideas over the course of planning season two, and we went, let's try this. They've been so well-received that it is now actually, because we're always trying to listen to you guys and what you think, mm -hmm. they're actually yeah. influencing the way we're planning seasons going forward. Season three has an adventure episode. Yeah. Season four will as well. We want to make sure we have something that is much more experiential and less about let's review a car just to mix it up. Right, right. But, but as you mentioned prior, man, season three is probably the most varied six episodes I think we've ever done in that tight span. Honestly, we've got, I mentioned this before, we've got one of the most, you know, new technologically advanced cars that we're mm -hmm. reviewing. Yep. Off-roading piece. Mm-hmm. We're going to have some muscle car stuff in there. Yes. I mean, it's going to be this wide variety, and it continues to push you and I mm -hmm. as reviewers, as for sure, hosts, for sure, as, yeah. 
you know, just experiencing cars and then putting them in their element. It would do us no good to go review that Jeep Wrangler JL on the roads that we love. Yes. So let's go have an adventure with it. You know, thinking like that. And then now we're building adventures around cars and cars around adventures and starting yeah. to plan and expand our own mindset like that. And speaking of adventures, one of you asked, how can I drive 150 miles an hour before I turn 30? Oh, uh, I have an answer for that, by the way. Do you? Okay, good. Yes. I, you should answer it here. But then, then somebody else chimed in and said you could go on the pilgrimage trip. You could go on the pilgrimage trip. <laughs> so that is a certainly a way you could easily get yourself to 150. Uh, but of course, that does have a bit of a price tag to it. But I am reminding you that it is happening the first weekend of August. We would love to have you with us. Registration is open. It will close in June. We would love to have you sign up. We've got a few that have signed up already. There's a few spaces left. Come with us. It's going to be awesome. Yes, please do. I echo that. It's going to be an incredible trip this year because two museums in Stuttgart have been added, the Porsche and the Mercedes Museums, a whole lot of Autobahn time. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Matthew, I am looking straight at you. Matthew H. wrote to us about (laughs) this question on Facebook about I'm turning 30 in 10 months. I want to drive 150 miles an hour before I turn 30. What do I do? And huh, yes, yeah, the whole yeah, yeah. answer, of course, is the pilgrimage. However, my idea for this is, okay. Matthew, I don't know what you do for a living, mm-hmm. but I'm willing to bet you're able to find some sort of industry event or conference in Germany within the next 10 months that you could lobby your company mm. to send you to. And therefore, okay. you fly into one of the German cities, Stuttgart, Frankfurt, Munich, something mm-hmm. like that, yeah, yeah. wherever it is, even make a deal with him. Say, you know what? I'm wanting higher education or continuing education or mm-hmm. being a part of this industry event. This is a good idea. Or even if you volunteer to be a speaker at one of these kinds of events. That's a good idea. And they say, you know what? What a great idea. Even if you offer, you know, you pay the plane fare and they'll pay all your expenses mm-hmm. while you're there. And then while you're there, there's plenty of car rental places. And they'll rent good stuff. They'll rent yeah. rent yourself a BMW of choice because they're exactly. limited theoretically at 155, which means you've still hit your number. Exactly right. And <laughs> Germany is yours, my friend. This is the way to do it, honestly. If you can't go on the pilgrimage trip with us, but we're mixing this in, definitely you are invited. Everydaydriver.com slash adventures is where you find all the information for this year's pilgrimage trip. It's longer. It's more involved. Mm-hmm. It's going to be amazing, guys. We we love taking people, and we've got repeat customers. Ted, I'm looking at you. Yeah, for sure. This is amazing. It's going to be an incredible trip. And, and by the way, uh, Matt, just so in case you're curious, the magic number you're looking for is 241 kilometers an hour yes. is your 150, my friend. So that when if you end up going overseas, know that that's the number you're looking for. The other thing I was thinking of, and this is harder to probably harder to work out, but various places that do the runway runs, like the runway uh, oh, half sure. miles. Sure, sure. Or miles or whatever. Like the Texas Flying Mile exactly. or whatever. You could do that, but you're going to have to source a car. Right. Which might be hard. And I don't know how much a Turo person would be will- willing to let you Turo their 911. Do they need do. to know? They don't need to know, but <laughs> I don't know how that works. I don't know how that works. You return it shiny side up and the end, right? That, that should be how it works. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Okay, well, before we get to these debates here, we've got the the news that the BMW M2 competition has been oh, yeah. released. The Indianapolis Mets and KLT both have written to me saying, mm-hmm. what are our thoughts on this car? Yeah. I am really, really excited this is here. This is the next car that does not use the N55 straight six. It's now the S55 three-liter M3 engine is what mm-hmm. it is. 400 horsepower in that car, which which we never yeah. drove and thought, you know what this needs? More power. <laughs> exactly. This is, it's just a little down on power, but now it has more. 
Exactly. I I'm in love with this car. I, of course you are. It's rekindled everything about my love for this car. <laughs> and I look at the back of my house and I think, hmm, that's there a nice is. deck. There's the difference right there. However, <laughs> you know what I could have had? Yeah. I don't care that I walk out the sliding patio door and fall to my death. <laughs> at least there's an M2 in the garage. <laughs> at least there's an M2 that's up front. Quite, that's proper car priorities right there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> hey. We all have to stay inside and look at the nice view. We can't go out there anymore, Fine. but there is an M2 in the garage. We can't eat outside in the summer. Oh, darn. Can I take you for a ride in my new yeah. M2? Well, uh, yeah. It's, that's it's what you I should have In done. the wrong order. But yeah, I take your point. Okay, guys. This car is... Uh, yeah, it's a laundry list of upgrades. Yeah. Interestingly, yeah, yeah. it doesn't differentiate itself cosmetically like I thought it should. Mm, mm. Like the M4, let's say the M4 GTS did. Sure. Well, yeah, that now, got really Now, I'm nice. not saying yeah. it needs a giant spoiler tacked onto the rear. With that's orange not, accents. With orange anything. Yeah. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying more aggressive to really differentiate it. And what will be a differentiation in price? Mm-hmm. Because, yeah, the, the hotter horsepower, mm-hmm. six-piston Brembo's. I mean, it's got the inline six, uh, of course, as I mentioned, but the six speed with automatic rev matching, on and on and on. The interior, I have noticed, is different. The seats do look quite a bit upgraded. Mm. And uh, yeah, I'm really liking this. I don't like the wheels quite as much. They say more luxury than sport to me. Yeah, you've always had that really good idea for what a wheel should be, yeah. Well, it's it's more spokes indicates more of a luxury, mm-hmm. you know, a thinner, mm-hmm. more fine sure. yeah. kind of look, refined look indicates more of a luxury vibe to the mm-hmm. car. Five spokes indicates more of a sport. There's more, you know, sure. you can see more sure. of the brakes and that kind of thing. So yeah. it's it's I see that. It's like a BBS kind of a look. Yeah, like it's, it's more look. of a like a webbed wheel. And I, it's I see fine. That, yeah. It's fine. It works. I'd probably swap those out. But of course, you know, that just adds cost to the to the car. But what's this going to do to the used prices of the normal M2? Is that going to make them well, more reachable? Honestly, I mean, the the regular M2, the MSRP was 53, 54. Mm-hmm. People are still asking over that for brand new ones. Yeah. And I thought, to your point, why? I'd love to yeah. have the competition, of course. I just like to have the M2 itself. It's a brilliant car. So if this push pushes M2 prices down, I'm all for it even more. <laughs> I hope it I pushes one M prices down. But anyway, that, that's the one I still want. But yeah, anyway. Yeah, I mean, there are you know, maybe some new colors. But otherwise, what differentiates it cosmetically? I would have liked some different... The front and rear clips are easy. I mean, that's a I can see that. Easy investment. I can see that. Yeah. BMW builds X4s and X4 and a halfs and X4 and three quarters. And Seriously. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. You can work on the front clips and the rear clips. Their, their the entire lineup is fractions now. No kidding. It's insane. No kidding. All right. So, yeah, new exhaust system, bigger brakes, a more rigid nose, apparently. I'm not even sure what that means. But... <laughs> We're not sure what a more rigid nose okay. means. But okay. The yeah. problem is, these are going to be sky high as far oh, yeah. as the dealer greed. They'll be, they'll be dealer greed markup instantly. That's instantly the on these. Yep. And You're that right. will keep a lot of people away and I don't see it coming down for a long time. Yeah. The M4 yeah. GTS has finally started to come down but I don't see this coming down anytime soon. So therefore, M2's for the rest of us. <laughs> <laughs> Happily. Okay, well, thanks for listening to the car debate. The answer is M2, and uh, yeah, let's move on. We've got Bruce writing in from New South Wales, Australia, which is awesome. He moved there from the UK, which yes. is very cool because our other debate is from Scott writing to us from the UK. Nice pairing up there, Paul. So we've like got that. two really good car debates, and 
honestly, I marked enough questions that I like tonight that we could do an entire podcast of questions. So we're going to have to be very selective when we get there. <laughs> so but too. we should dive in for Bruce. Uh, he and his wife are, uh, are on the north coast of New South Wales in Australia, and our south of the Gold Coast. It sounds like an amazing area. I'm yeah, there from Scotland. Here's the twist. When they were in the UK, not long before they left, they found themselves in 1999, so it's first gen, mm-hmm. Boxster. It was manual, and it cost them 5,000 pounds. Right. That's right. it. That's all it cost. Because, of course, we talked before about how used cars just plummet in the UK. It was their first Porsche. They kind of went on a limb and said, should we get this? They got it, and they loved it. When they moved to Australia, they couldn't take it with them. And now they've tried to do every hoop possible to ship it to Australia and are coming up with the reality that I don't understand it. They're not allowed to. (laughs) The way he writes, the way Bruce writes the sentence here, he says, due to preposterous and deeply confusing reasoning on behalf of the government department responsible for such things, our import approval has been refused. Wow. So they can't bring it into the country. And you and I have talked before about a car that's taken from you too soon mm-hmm. when you're not over it. You're not done with it. And in this case, it wasn't an accident. It didn't get crushed. It didn't get totaled. But it applies. It still applies. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. they're not done with this. But they're open, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. is interesting here. They're they're definitely open. They've got some criteria. And Bruce's partner, Melissa, she is uh, she's working as a doctor and... She has uh, been infected with the disease. How we're glad about that. Ironic. Yeah, yeah that's great. But her criteria for both of them it must be manual, nothing mm-hmm. Japanese. Melissa doesn't think they're as quality as Porsches. I'll back that, but you know what? I won't because Japanese are very high quality. Yeah. Their cars are excellent. And it's interesting that most people sometimes associate reliability with quality or quality with reliability. Mm hmm. They are kind of interchangeable, and most people gravitate towards that direction. So I will say, I think you're wrong in that department, and I'm going to break the rules with one of my wild cards. Good, good, good. Okay. 18000 Australian dollars is the budget. It's uh, $13,500, according to the exchange rate. It's, yeah, it's not a ton. And the hard Paul limiter here is uh, 20000 uh, Australian it's dollars. It's hard. So it's hard. It, this, this is on the cheaper end of things. It's fine, uh, though. They There's would, stuff. They are looking and preferring a convertible. They'd be willing to consider a coupe, but let's be honest. What are they wanting it for? Part of the, part of the fun of that, I think, is putting the top down. I think by, I yeah. bet you that was a segment of why they like that Boxster. So a huge segment. Yeah. You're right. That's a huge part of the equation. But but they're willing to be flexible on used cars, new cars. Uh, so this is where we are. They have owned eight cars from the Volkswagen family over the past few years. Eight. Now they're including even things like the Skoda Octavia wagon they currently have. Skoda. Because like of course that. that is it is that is still uh, Volkswagen. So they are interested in that. But hopefully we can find them a new convertible. I I have a a couple of recommendations, but I am going to say right up front, there's nothing wrong with your Boxster idea. No. They're out there. I looked them up. You're right. They're out there. You can find them for your budget. You already know you like it. You know, spend probably a little more than you did in, in England and get yourself a great one. And I think you'd still love it. I think that is a great option. I have other things too. Yeah. They've got that $20,000 limit, 20000 Australian dollars to spend. Yeah. Bruce has a Mark I Golf convertible project car hiding mm-hmm. in the shed, as he yep. said. Melissa has an Audi A4 wagon, and Bruce currently drives the Skoda Octavia. And so this, to me, after reading that list, is very much the fun car for both of them. Absolutely. And yeah. should Absolutely. be treated as such mm-hmm. in our mm-hmm. search. Agreed. I have a bucket load of choices here for you. Wow, okay. I've got three. Honestly, I didn't think I would come across so many. 
but I had a wild card and then I had a crazy, I want this car for you, but it's way out in the weeds. Okay. And it's it's so far out there, but Good. it's a fun thing to think about. Okay. So I'm going to start at an 06 BMW Z4 Coupe. Good. 19K Good. or even a Z3. Let's go back. Yeah. Okay. I found both of those. Both of those are on my list. I think if you're going to drive the Boxster, you have to drive the BMW equivalent. Yeah. yeah. It really checks every box you're talking about. It is manual. It's not Japanese. It's convertible. It's it's the direct competitor. You've got to at least get in it and drive it. Yeah, agreed. An 03 BMW 330Ci convertible for 16K. Hmm, okay. That could be right. salve in the wounds, maybe, too. Maybe, yeah. That could be fun. I even went so far as to go for an 08 BMW 135i convertible. Kind of an interesting, different choice. Okay, yeah, all right. But then I moved on. We're done with BMWs at the moment here. 2005 Mercedes-Benz SLK 200 manual transmission for 20 grand on the nose. SLK and manual. Hard Good top convertible. Fine. Good SLK fine. 200. Yeah. So it's yeah, not the yeah. 230 or the 320. Sure. But 200. Excellent. But, but good find with the manual transmission. Well done on that. Yeah. I kind of think that could be an interesting choice. And then I've got to say the NC Miata MX5 Touring mm-hmm. found you one with only 120,000 kilometers for 13,450. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that's on my list. But that's where things took a turn here. Okay. And I found a 2012 Abarth 500 Cabriolet for 20 grand. Oh. Okay, you've gone somewhere new now. Kind I see of different. That. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Different choice. I like, as Todd said, I like the Boxster. I also found a 99 Porsche Boxster with 169,000 kilometers for 19. So you could do it. Yeah. It looked top yeah. condition. However, the car I think you should buy is okay. a 2007 or a 2008 Audi TT for 18.9. I wondered if you'd go there. That's the car I think you should buy, despite my wild card being a second-generation Toyota MR2, like a 99, 98. Yeah, I see that, too. But honestly, the car that I is way out there that I thought, oh, I wonder if these... Nope, they're nowhere near this price. Jaguar F-Type. Oh, yeah, they're way out of the But price. they're so far out there. But yeah, that yeah, yeah. thinking is what mm-hmm. invaded my sure, mind sure. as I was listing choices. I was mm-hmm. searching for these cars. Mm-hmm. But I like the TT, and I like the Mercedes for you guys. But... Of course, the MR2 breaks all the rules, but just maybe go drive it just, yeah. just for a well, balance. That, you're, you're actually touching on, on kind of where I ended up. I mean, again, Boxster is a great choice. Z4 has to be on your drive list. Yeah, yeah for sure. I, I really thought to mix it up a little bit, what about a 996 or 997, 911 Cabriolet? But they're out mm. of your budget. Are they? Yeah, they're yeah. above your budget, which is too bad. But I, I did think about that because like a 996, I think you'd thoroughly enjoy. Oh, absolutely. You know, that gen. Of, of, so it's the same generation as the Boxster you like, but it's 911. So it's a slightly just different feel. Just go out at 3 in the morning and start the engine and listen to it for 30 sure, minutes. Sure, why not? But, but, but I'm going to say, here, here's the thing. You don't want anything Japanese, but I think you need to drive some stuff that's Japanese. Just, just to really because, because there are two cars I want to bring up, and you've already mentioned one of them. There's two cars I want to bring up that I think they are so iconic, it doesn't matter where they're from. Mm. Okay. One is the MX-5. Yeah. Drive an NC, drive an, any of them. Any of the first three generations you could get into for your money. Go drive one. There's NCs in New South Wales. There's a of, lot of them. Of course them. there are. Of course there are. Go drive one at your budget and just take a, come in with an open mind. Because the thing is, <laughs> what Mazda's done in the MX-5 is they've created, let's be honest, the convertible that everybody else tried to do before they did it. Mm. It's mm-hmm. all of the good things about a convertible. The top is genius design. It's, it's magical how well they've done that top to be the single arm. Couldn't be easier. My dad's old Jaguar E-Type oh. was like a 15-minute let's get out and put the top down. 
and it might cut you. Well, and then it might leak or crack or, oh, no, we scratched this or whatever. (laughs) The the MX-5 you can do because it started raining when you pulled to a stop, and you're done. (laughs) So, I mean, just that alone. But, yes, it's a simple interior. It's going to feel like a simple interior compared to the Porsches. But everything just works, and everything the convertible needs to do, the MX-5 does well. So you have to at least drive it so you have that for a reference point. And then I'm going to tell you a car that I found quite a few for at your budget – that I think you have to drive because, it, in my mind, it's not Japanese. It's just a moment in time, the Honda S2000. Good. That's I would great. put that up against the Boxsters you're driving any day of the week. As far as build quality, as far as interior quality, I think it goes blow for blow with those cars. And, you know, the mechanical nature of both of those cars, the mm-hmm. Boxster and the mechanical sounds coming out of that inline four of the S2000, yeah, yeah, yeah. they're going to stir the same things in the you that you love about that Porsche. That's, that's likely. That's likely. I mean, that, that kind of feel. It's sort of mm-hmm. all these parts meshing, working together. It's like BMWs do, too. But yeah. that S2000 is a great example of, wow, these parts work so well together, mm-hmm. but it's still so mechanical and raw and analog. And I actually also think... Look, I'm a big fan of the Boxster. I'm a big fan of, of the Boxster, the Cayman. You know, I'm, I'm a, that's my favorite line from Porsche. Mm. However, that late 90s, early 2000s is one of the worst Porsche interiors. Fair. So you lay that Fair. alongside the S2000, which I think is only now starting to look like a dated interior. Yeah, yeah. And it came out in 99, it looked like a spaceship. And honestly, it looked better than that entire first generation of boxers as far as interiors are concerned. So I think, it's, I think it may surprise you. And it's not common, and it's Japanese, if you will, in all the best ways, meaning it's just going to run. It is. And, you know, everybody scoffed at that push-button start button. <laughs> they were the first, and now it's everybody. And now everybody has it. And that, honestly, is what keeps that car modern. Mm. Because then we're going, why don't you just use a key? And now it's sort of, well, yeah, every other car does. And this one from way back when. It had electric power steering then. True. And it's still so brilliant. One of the, if not the only example of an electric power steering rack that you can't tell. That one and the one in the the NSX, it's Honda killing it. I mean, if, if you really stop and think, you're like, wait a minute, this might be, maybe this would need a little more feel. But until somebody tells you it's an electric steering rack, you don't even think about it which is impressive for both those cars. And uh, and so you have to go drive them, guys. Go drive them at least. And if you wind up in a Boxster, we will still applaud you. Absolutely. But anyway, hopefully something there helps. Agreed. Well, guys, if you've got your own debate, write to us at everydaydrivertv at gmail.com, or you can find us on the website everydaydriver.com, and click the Adventures tab because there's more information about the Pilgrimage Trip 2018 in there. And this is going to be an incredible trip. You're invited. You can find all the prices, the info. Email us if you've got more questions. Mm -hmm. You can take partners, spouses, friends, kids. Mm -hmm. If you want to make it into a a bucket list kind of a trip, we'd love to have you. Many people have. It's very cool. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Well, guys, we'll take a quick break, and we'll be back after this. We talk about car cleaning sometimes on this show. We talk about certified Paul-owned. This is something I'm not good at. I can't ever get a car as clean as Paul can. And one of the places I struggle is the wheels. I never feel like I've got the right brush. I can't get it to work. Brush Hero is our new sponsor of the podcast. We're glad to have them. And they have this really cool, impressive cleaning machine. It is water-powered. There's no electricity. There's no batteries. It just works off the power of the water coming through your hose. Now, the starter set comes with two brush heads. One is a soft one for sensitive surfaces, paint, and chrome. 
But there's this other one which is a tough one for serious muck, like your wheels. It was originally designed for fast, easy, expert-level car and motorcycle detailing, but it's not just cars. If you've got a boat, barbecue, yard tools, patio furniture, the list goes on. Brush Hero, again, no batteries, no electricity. It makes life easier. No backache, no more scraped-up knuckles. I don't have to figure out the towel that works for wheels or do I need, I don't know, a scouring pad. Forget it. It's just about Brush Hero. Fight the war on muck with this ultimate cleaning and detailing tool called Brush Hero. It's a great gift for Father's Day. There's gift sets for every budget, and you can check out their extensive line of accessories, including extension wands to add more reach. It's a must-have for every car lover, motorcyclist, or all-around clean freak. You can find Brush Hero at BrushHero.com, Amazon, or select Costco stores. Something we were just approached with is very interesting. We're really excited to share this with you because it's about Omaze, the online fundraising platform. Get this. One lucky person is going to win the sixth Model 3 Tesla ever made, courtesy of Kimball Musk. Now, Kimball Musk is Elon Musk's brother, and he's just announced he's giving away his personal and fully customized Model 3 Tesla for charity. This car has everything from voice-activated controls, Wi-Fi LTE connectivity, premium audio, LED fog lamps, long-range battery, and the taxes are covered too. All you do to enter is this. It's as little as $10. All the proceeds go to Big Green. This is Kimball Musk's initiative. And what this does is this teaches kids about healthier eating. It provides healthier futures to kids by learning gardens, food literacy. This is teaching kids to grow good food, understand good food, and eat well. What's wrong with that? Nothing's wrong with that. That's awesome. $10 is as little as you can get in. That's a great way to do this. The winner is randomly selected at the end of this campaign. To enter, visit omaze.com slash driver. That's O-M-A-Z-E dot com slash driver. There's all kinds of different experiences. You can win stuff at every one of these campaigns, but you're donating to great causes. There's stuff there for William Shatner, Arnold Schwarzenegger, others. But on this one, you're winning a Model 3. That's pretty cool. Don't forget, use the promo code DRIVER to double your chances of winning on any of these. So, you're giving to a great cause, and you might win a Tesla Model 3. What's not to like? This is awesome. Go to omaze.com slash driver now. Everybody's got a to-do list. You know, drop off the dry cleaning, pick up some milk. Here's an idea. Let's add save hundreds of dollars on car insurance to that list. And the good thing is, you don't have to drop off or pick up anything. All you do is go to geico.com, and in 15 minutes, you could be saving 15% on your car insurance, or maybe even more. Got extra money in your pocket? This just may be the most rewarding thing you do today. Now we jump to England for our second car debate. Scott's writing to us. He is a calibration and development engineer for the ZF gearbox, specifically yes. in the uh, the JLR, which yeah. is pretty interesting. Yeah, so for Jaguar, Jaguar Land, Land Rover, Rover in World in the UK, and he's dealing with calibration and development for that ZF. We talk about that transmission a lot because it's in, I swear, half the industry now. <laughs> that yeah. eight-speed ZF is everywhere, and yeah. everybody calibrates it a little bit different. And you can mm-hmm. actually get in various cars that have it, and it operates. It's it's silky smooth and great. I wish they were a sponsor because I want to talk about them that much. It, it's a great. It's a <laughs> great sponsored by a transmission. Yeah, exactly. You're going to have to go find a car in which the transmission exists. But other than that, we're we're, we're up into eighth gear on the back of the pod. Anyway, <laughs> the course. point is the development and, and the calibration is is an interesting thing that makes that same transmission feel different in different car companies. And this is what Scott does. It's amazing. We're talking to the man here. He's asking for a bit of help to replace the Mrs. Car, he said. Currently, she's got a Mark 7 GTI, and they both love it, but they have a 10-month-old. 
which means it's a bit of a squeeze. So he said either strollers, groceries, they love it, but they need something bigger. He's got a lot plastic of Plastic has invaded their lives. This is what's really happened. Plastic, yes. bright, shiny plastic yeah. is now a part of your life. Yeah, for sure. He said he's daily's a, uh, a B 5.5 Passat TDI. So he's got the diesel modded to keep up with any modern 2.0 TDI. Mm-hmm. And it's an estate. He said this is the weekend duty. You know, it swallows everything that they can throw at this car. But they want something else that's not another estate. And they're thinking, what is not just another, as he puts it, mumsy Eurobox that's in between a Golf and a Passat? <laughs> What's in there? Yeah. He said he's driven a lot of modern cars for work. I'm sure you guys yeah, drive cars no all the time. Yeah, for sure. For sure. <laughs> what do you guys do? Get in and shift? Anyway. Nice. There you go. Yeah. All right. So they, they f- fell for the understated grown-up nature and put-togetherness of the GTI, mm-hmm. especially when he describes the Focus ST as vulgar and, yeah. you know, this hoary monster of... of you know, blue dials, embroidered seats, and I've never thought Focus well, ST owners being well. But the, but the key thing is Scott and I are not the unwashed same. Unwashed monsters. I I, okay. I am an overgrown child, and that's what cars like that appeal to is so. people that are overgrown children like myself. And I am a father, which is a frightening, frightening thing for my son. Uh, <laughs> you apparently are an actual father prepared to be a father, so uh, you're you're worried about it actually seeming like an adult car. Which you know, I can't argue that point. I genuinely can't argue it. I love the Fiesta ST, but it's a child's toy. It is. You know, and so the Focus is That's just a, a little bit better than that. Of course, these are the cars that make me giggle, but they're not cars for adults. You have to be really an overgrown child. If they sell the GTI, they'll have 16,000 pounds to spend mm-hmm. on something that she can just hammer around in on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. And then he can do the odd track day in. That is one of the weirdest mixes we've ever had. Yeah, it is. Honestly. It is. He's thought about the Golf R estate, but which he could just about afford, but they don't want another estate. Mm-hmm. So they're looking for, the requirements are an enthusiast, driver's hatchback, five-door, or maybe a small saloon, a sedan, with potential for above 300 horsepower, limited slip diff for track day duties, has to be a manual, <laughs> low weight, 1,700 kilograms, and has to be kid seat friendly. I'm going to, I'm going to translate that for all of us that are Americans, including myself. Uh, they don't want an estate. They don't want a wagon. They're okay with a hatch. They don't want a wagon. They would uh, be okay with a saloon, which is a four-door sedan. Yes, correct. And 1,700 kilograms is roughly 3,700 pounds. Which is, I, I have one car. Oh, wow. Okay. And one car only. All right. Like I said, you, you heard on the last debate, I had choices. I had mm-hmm. loads of stuff. They've had their fill of Vauxhalls, Fords, and French stuff, so they don't want to go down that route again. 16,000 pounds got to be reliable and not in the steep part of the depreciation curve. Mm-hmm. I might have broken the rules a little bit there. Okay. But I have one car for you guys. Wow. All right. I'm I so I have a couple. excited. I'm, I'm so this, excited. This whole time, I felt like I'm missing something obvious, and I still might be. So I'm curious if you've landed on the brilliant car here. I, I mean, I, I thought of this car, and then I went shopping for it, and then I found it. Good. Like good, that. Good. And should, I'm going to send you the link. Should I Should I wait and let you surprise us after we're done? Why don't you go? Okay. I, I want to hear All your right. choices. Uh I thought of this one. I, I'm trying to think. There of, might be crossover too. You maybe. might have actually nailed it too. I, I'm trying to think of the UK variants of things. Okay. okay? Uh, I've got a couple. Well, you know what I, I went looking for, it, and I didn't do a very good job. But I wondered about the Volvo Polestars. But I think they're all oh. out of budget. That, that's what I would love for you to have a Volvo good. Polestar because your wife drives around the Volvo, mm-hmm. Volvo. Then you go track the Volvo, Volvo. 
I mean, that's mm. pretty fun. This, this is the hardest part about this is because it's not like this is going to be your commute car, Scott, and then you're going to track it. You have a commute car that just needs – you've got a decent-sized commute. You just need to hammer miles on something. So you don't want this car for that. Your wife is going to put on whatever driving around duties she has, which are far less than yours. So she'll drive this around, and then you will take it and track it. That is a weird twist because you've essentially bought your wife a track car she won't use. <laughs> but it has so so for her it has, like that seriously i really thought about this i kind of unpacked funny. it and went that's difficult because for her it needs to be kid friendly and usable and good sized huh all of that kind of works against what you needed to do scott so that that's weird i did think of the mazda 3 mps which over there is the mazda speed 3 hatchback okay good good that's manual it's a riot and it's got a decent amount of space. And it's going to feel totally different than the stuff you've owned. That's the other thing I like about it. Yeah. Now, yeah. will your wife like that? I don't know. But you're buying your wife a track car. I'm just saying it again. <laughs> so you would enjoy it. That's would, a different headspace Seriously. Right seriously. So I think, I think you would both enjoy driving it. It is a laugh. It has good space. Now, it may have a little bit too much of a kitty interior for you. It might. It might. Well, the Focus but, STs are vulgar and horrific. Then, yeah, we might. We may be in trouble. We may be in trouble. Back but off I'm, the I'm, stitching. I'm putting. I'm putting it back out there anyway. <laughs> so I, I wanted to mention that. Uh, you said you don't want any more Vox halls. Oh. But I'm going to go badge engineering on you. Are you going to break the rules again? Love it. Vauxhall VXR8 is our Pontiac G8. Because it's actually a Holden. So you're not buying a Jaguar. <laughs> I mean, you're not buying a Vauxhall. You're, you're not buying a Vauxhall at all. You're buying a Holden. Rebadged. So you're saying put Pontiac G8 badges in the UK? Or just go Holden. But my point is, you don't have what I would call an actual Vauxhall. You've, I, I, you said you've had That's your fill true. of Vauxhalls. I don't think you've had this. <laughs> okay? <laughs> this is get a load of me. Seriously. So <laughs> your, your wife can, can leave your neighborhood sideways at a cloud of smoke, and you'll see if the kids like it. That, that's really the fun. I mean, yeah, that, that's really, you maybe know. Maybe she'll want to join you at the track. Maybe so. Maybe so. And, and you can see if, you know, if your 10-month-old is secretly a car person. I mean, who knows? So there is that. Fill their nostrils with tire smoke. Exactly. Check that box. I grew up on tire smoke. But then I I do have to say, look, uh, this is a great one that you're going to think I'm crazy at first, but it is along the same lines as the G8, but it keeps – it's a lot classier. Okay. It's a lot classier. Right. The E90 M3 four-door. Good. Good. You can take that car. I'll get it in automatic, the DCT. Get it in manual, whatever. But that four-door, you can drive – calmly i love that car i know i love you can that drive car. calmly it's got it's got a perfectly nice interior that'll compete with your gti on interior materials it's oh, just gonna yeah. be a great place to be the two of you can do date night and drive slowly down down main street in that car burnout night date night what, what? exactly either, either, whatever way works yeah then you can have smoky tire night uh then you can have let's get groceries sideways leaving the restaurant let's they, get groceries <laughs> sideways that'll be that'll be that's a whole new event in scott's life we could be back to a t-shirt here Let's yes, exactly. Starbucks so, sideways. Exactly. Grocery sideways. So, but anyway, E90 M3. Now, I will admit, both the Vauxhall I mentioned and this M3, we're talking V8s, mm. but it's not a commute car. True. So comparatively, True. because the thing I keep thinking about is, Scott, you want to take this car to the track, which has very different priorities than, oh, look, the child seat fits and I can get the stroller in the trunk. By the oh, way, take, like take the stroller like and the car seat out at the track. I'm just letting you know. It's public service time now. <laughs> but E90 M3 gets this done. And I think you probably haven't thought about that. I, I suspect 
for your initial thinking, it's going to be a little bit, it's going to feel a little bit big to you. I know the Vauxhall is. I think it's going to feel a little bit big to you. But honestly, when you consider the fact that that series, the three and four have only grown from there. True. I think on reflection, that car is starting to feel smaller. Plenty of power, good track car, and a family car. That is one of the best dual-purpose sedans out there. I'm stopping there. I mean, he's got the diesels for the commute, as you said. Exactly. Because this thing burns gas, baby. The heavy the heavy mile car is handled, so this car doesn't have to do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I don't get the sense that Scott's wife is going to put enough miles on a car that the V8 gas mileage is going to be a deal breaker. She's going to need to learn get, to do burnouts and track time. I think that'll be a short lesson. I think it'll happen quickly. Mm-hmm. But once you go and, and have a track day, you're going to have a blast. I like that. that. Those are great choices. Honestly, kudos. I like all of those. They're, they're excellent. I like the E90 I'm just saying, you, you haven't owned this Vauxhall. I'm just saying. <laughs> when you, it's true. I, I suspect Badge the Vauxhall you have have all been little tidy hatches and you think, please get it away. This is the Aussie Vauxhall. That's true. No, you're right. These are the ones we wish we still got. But, of course, we closed that plant. Yay us. Yes. And everybody in the U.S., of course, rips the badges off and proudly puts the Vauxhall or Holden badges on because they've got something different that doesn't exist in the U.S. Chevy sold those badges from Chevy from the for dealer. the SS. Yeah. Can you believe that? I, I still can't believe that. I don't yeah. understand what the thinking was there. Because different. That's I why. Guess. I guess. Because it's, it's a unicorn and you but, spot, oh, it's a Vauxhall. But hang no. on a second. Here's the side note. <laughs> There's a bunch of bean counters in a room that don't want to change the SS. And I'm going to rant now. They don't want to change the SS look <laughs> okay. enough to actually make it sell. But at the same time, some other bean counters in a room said, you know what we should do? Sell extra badges for a car that we can't sell in the first place. What is going on? Do you think they think like that? No, <laughs> clearly nobody was thinking clearly no. because the SS was a great car and yet it's gone. Yeah, we lament that car. Okay, well, I've been keeping you long enough, Scott, from my choice here. And I love the E90. I do love that car. I know you do. That's, that's one of your... consumables are dramatically higher than what you're used to. Well, yes, true. But who cares because this is not the, the commute. This yeah. is not the daily. So for all of those reasons, it works like crazy. Yeah. And I applaud your choice. He's buying his wife a track car. I still come back to that. God, you're right. <laughs> anyway, Honey, go on. let's go shopping for your car. Wait, what? All right, so here it is. It's the only car that I chose for you. Okay. It is a 2015 BMW M125i with the M Sport package, five-door. It also comes in the three-door. It does, You're Like right. a little shooting brake. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 2.0 turbo with a manual. I mm. found one in black for seventeen four ninety. So, well, it's me. 17,000 pounds. But come on, you've done it. The engine is that N20 2-liter inline-four turbo with 215 horsepower, so not quite the 300 you're looking for, but maybe a visit to your local BMW tuner shop. But it's not, And it's not a big car either. It's not a big car. 26,285 miles for 17,000 pounds. I say you're mm. done. It's that I like it. That one twenty five. We don't. We get didn't here. get it. We that didn't get it. It was cool. Yeah, it was or very the three cool. Door. I love the three door. It turns my head every time. I, I'm I in wonder, Europe. and I'm, I'm genuinely asking because we don't have enough experience with that car. I'm wondering, is it a big enough move from the GTI in space? I don't know. I'm hoping, but I like it. I like I'm it a lot because it's. I'm. It's slightly longer wheelbase than the GTI. Yeah, and therefore, ideally, slightly more size, more space. I see Hold where you went. Down. I see where you went. But okay, three door, five door. Who cares? Get you know whatever. Let's call it the five door because it does have the four doors, and then it's the hatch. It's not quite the sedan thing, but it doesn't have as much power as the E ninety, of course. Yeah. 
But from a tax standpoint, from an insurance, it might be less. But I found this car. It's in black. It looks tight. I like it. 26,000 like miles. This thing's practically brand new. There's actually quite a few of them. Most of them are the 118 eyes. Mm-hmm. Occasionally, you come across the M120i. But then there was this 125i M Sport. Gorgeous. I'll send you the link if you want me to, Scott. That's cool. You know what else is dawning on me as we're talking here? Staying in the BMW realm, but going a little less hair on fire. Okay. You could chase those old 330i's with the ZHP package. It was like a special. That was a very special. Special deal. three yeah. series. If you could find one of those. Yeah. It's a it's a full on family sedan four door BMW, but it's got at the time their latest and greatest M Sport pack equivalent, if you will. Mm -hmm. It was the almost M3 of that era. So the 330i ZHP package, if you could find one, for a short run, if you could find one, that would be less crazy than the M3, but a genuinely usable all of the above. Mm -hmm. No, you're right. That could be a, a great option too. All right, Scott. So thank you for all your amazing work on that ZF transmission that we love so much. Yeah. Everybody yeah, yeah. listening, thanks you for the calibration work that you do. <laughs> it might seem mundane. Maybe it's not. But if it does, thank you for the amazing work. We, we love this transmission. What, what this means is now I want to drive something from Jaguar again <laughs> and hammer on that transmission and think, I know that guy. That's <laughs> exactly. what I want to do. I, I, I've, got, I've got a different connection to the ZF to transmission. Scott. Exactly. That's really weird. I like that, though. Love it. Okay. Well, guys, thank you both for writing into us. We really appreciate it. Yeah, send us your debates. We love hearing from you guys. Send us the story. Send us the price, where you're at on the planet. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Uh, that's that's great. Helpful to us. And uh, like I said, thank you so much. We got social media questions. Dive many, right in. Many. Uh, I have to do one that, that I made me think for a bit, but I have a feeling you're going to have an answer right away as well. Ooh. Jake Ramsey on Facebook. Did you see this one? Uh, Build your perfect Porsche garage. Oh, yeah. Four slots, money, no object, (laughs) Porsche only. I've done it. I've done it. Have you? Yes. I'm glad you tackled this. Yeah, I I knew you would, but I I thought, thought about this, and I think I've done it. Okay. All right. First off, the 918. Yeah, that's in there. That's slot one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Slot two. It's almost slot one because it's, it's the one that matters more than anything. And I'm not even the 911 guy. The 997 GT3 RS40. Okay, good, good. So you've got your, your mid-engine Porsche. <laughs> that's killer. Yeah. You've got your classic 911 that is just one of my favorite cars ever. And I am not the Porsche guy. <laughs> then, Keep going. The, then the big boy, the Panamera. I would go the GT Turismo spec. As hot as you can get it. The E hybrid with the no, no, no. everything. I, I would just go. I would go the Turbo S. Okay, fair but enough. But I would get Excellent. the better looking. What is it? The Sport Turismo. Sport back. Turismo, correct. We get that. That's yeah. the big family hauler in every sense of the word. Yeah. And then a Macan GTS. Oh really? Yes. Okay. So you've got your little SUV. My wife's a truck girl. Yeah, she is. Okay, get the little Macan GTS. But when the family road trips, you take the Panamera. And when you want to have a track day, you hammer, hammer the GT3 RS. And when you're me and you want a daily, a mid-engine car all the time, it's the 918. <laughs> I've done it. There's my garage. That's pretty And I'm not good. the Porsche guy, by the way. And I still was like, that's interesting. Great question. All right. So mine is definitely 918 Spider is slot one. I'm going to call it the, the new GT2. Mm. I like that car. I know you do. I need that car in my life. Interestingly, no Caymans. 
Yeah. Because I okay. only have four slots. If okay. I had a five-car garage, then yes. I'm, I'm, I'm surprised you're not doing a Cayman here, though. But okay. I'm doing the Sport Turismo as well. All right. And then my last car, I'm going to cheat a little bit because... I love that 3.2 Carrera. I love that look, mm-hmm. but I want the Singer by 911 in of there. Of course you do. With the Cosworth sure. motor and the 5 sure. horsepower. Okay, yeah. I'm, if you'll I allow that. No, I, I'll, I'll give that to you. Because you I'll look at it and it's still a Porsche. I was debating that or the new roof Porsche. Well, it's not a Porsche. It's I think the, roof. the I think the Singer's the way to go. I, the I, see, singer, I see your point uh, there. Yeah, okay. Sport yeah, yeah. Turismo, all winter. It's the ski car, mm-hmm. mountain bikes, mm-hmm. whatever. But then the singer for special days. And if then, we're doing money, no object. I would. It is. I would genuinely wrap like paint protection film, wrap the nine eighteen, and drive it year round. <laughs> yeah. I don't. It's a blizzard outside, and you're right. I'm driving my nine eighteen. Why not? I would absolutely be that guy. Yeah, this is good. Wow. All right. So I'm I'm still uh, awash in thoughts about that. <laughs> but I've got a question here. This is uh, really interesting. I, I was looking down at Instagram. And Four Pot Fury asked how many cars we can think of that come in four, six, and eight-cylinder versions. Hmm. He can only come hmm. up with the Lexus GS and RC, the Mustang, and the Camaro. Am I missing any? Yes, you are, as a matter of fact. Okay. And I had to go looking to All confirm right. my thoughts. But keep in mind that the European versions of some cars, because of the... the oh, sure. Sure, sure. The taxes yeah. mm-hmm. over there and mileage and MPG and all that kind of stuff forces them to put different engines in cars. Yeah. The current Mercedes E-Class has a 4, 6, and 8, a 2-liter, a 3-liter, and a 4-liter all turbocharged engines. Okay, all right. all right. As does the current BMW 7 Series, which also has a V12 in the 760Li. Do they do a 4? They have a 4, 6, 8, and 12. You're kidding but that wait, has to be the, that's not the winner that has to be the winner that is not the winner it's the Volkswagen Phaeton yeah this car came with a VR6 3.2 liter a 3.2 3.6 liter VR6 4.2 liter V8 a 6 liter W12 yes and then a 3 liter V6 diesel and a 5 liter V10 TDI that is the winner well, you just educated me on Phaetons. There's also that hasn't happened before. Yeah. There's also the A8 over here, and the second generation A8 had an, a six and eight, a V10, a W12, a six diesel engine, and a V8 diesel engine. Can you believe that? That's madness. Because I, I, I remember, you know, sedans being it's like Lego, the most, uh, I, I guess, the most interchangeable. Sure, is the word I'm sure, looking sure. For, yeah, yeah. For that, because you don't do it with hatchbacks or Mustang. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. You do, but. These cars have had even more variants. W12 and V10s. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The the A8 and the second generation was the S8. It's the only sedan that I know of besides the A6 that had the V10 in it. Yeah, which is really cool engine. Wow, you, that's Crazy, good research. Huh? Bravo! I, I Bravo. love that. That like paid that. off well for you. I'm very impressed. Yeah, I love that. Very stuff. impressed. Uh, the legend continues. Had an interesting question that I thought about today, having driven the Lotus all day. He asked, "When is the line between track car? Where is the line between track car and daily car?" Oh, when do you kind of cross over? When, when essentially is? <laughs> Are you the one to ask? Are you the one I, to answer? This? <laughs> well, kind of, and, I, and, I'm, and I'm gonna make a case for for my okay. logic here. All right, all right. Uh, because I think there's a real there's a lot of personal considerations that define this. But he's saying when you you kind of crossed over to where the car has gotten good enough for track that now it can't be your daily, and and this is where your question is valid in that 
should I answer this? Because my tolerance <laughs> level, let's be honest, is more so than yours. Yeah, yeah. So, but but when I drive that Lotus, and I drove it today and loved it, I I, I did both routes today. I did, did the just freeway route. I did just the freeway route. Sure. Which is normal, and I'm the little car among big cars, and we're all doing a freeway commute and whatever. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then I did the back road route and saw my daily triple and then some, and it was fantastic. Excellent. It's fantastic. It's so cleansing. So it was, yes, it was all of the above. I think you have to figure out, and, and for every person, it's going to be personal, but you have to figure out when does a car reach a place where you don't want to use it for other things in life? You only want to drive it where it's either an amazing back road or ideally a track. When you won't go get groceries in it, when you won't go get takeout in it, when you Fair cannot enough. take it out for a night on the town. Fair enough. It is now not become a daily worthy car anymore. You have created it into too much of a track monster. Is that the Elise? It, the is Elise it borderline? is borderline. And the Elise is borderline depending also on the owner. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I am, and I'm still just chills me to say this. I am the eighth owner of my car. I still can't believe that. But everybody had it as a track but car. But this is what's fascinating. Yeah. If you look at the Carfax, one guy had it for a year and put 1,400 miles on it. The next guy had it for a year that. and put 20,000 miles on it. The next person, 1,500. And it just kept going back and forth. And that means Amazing. some people were crazy people like me that daily did. <laughs> and other people were like, it's a perfect day with the perfect weather and no wind that I have nothing else to do. And I'm going to drive the Lotus for 10 miles and go, wow, that was fun. And no water touches this car. Exactly. So, so who are you as a person? And, and honestly, if I, and I know I keep coming back to this, but I stand on it fully. If I still lived in Los Angeles, I think the Lotus would be too close to a track car. Yeah, you wouldn't drive it as much as you do here. But you wouldn't get as much. My wife time. likes it enough that when we go out, at, uh, out for a nice date, we'll take the Lotus. Sure. Because we're not she'll, going she'll that go with we're not going that far. We're not gonna sit in traffic. She'll drive is yeah, what she'll and, do. <laughs> and it's and it's a fun car for both of us to yeah, take. Yeah. But if you honestly, if you have a, a car that your significant other is now going, I don't want to ride in this anymore, you've gone too far for daily use. Because mm-hmm. that has to be a consideration. So it's a personal thing, but I think those are the defining lines where you, you can't take it for the mundane stuff anymore, it's gone too far. Mm-hmm. No, that's excellent. All right, so Ronald H. is asking, what car or truck slash SUV do we think has the best hood bulge or air scoop? Hmm, okay. His vo- vote is the Toyota Celica Alltrack. Remember that car? Yeah. Sweet looking car. I like your choice, but I'm going to go with the Ford RS200 with its double scoops, one on each side sure. for the mid-engine thing, or the McLaren F1, because, you know, straight over the center, McLaren That F1. kills it, doesn't it? That's awesome. Yeah, yeah I hear that. that kind of stuff. Uh, what else? I'm looking also from uh, Ryan C. 440. He said, outside of the Peterson Automotive Museum in Los Angeles, what is the best public automotive display museum in the U.S.? That's a tough call. I don't feel like I've been to enough to say. I mean, I can't say I've been to the ones on the East Coast. We haven't been to the Corvette Museum. We True. haven't been to a True. lot on the East Coast. So I will say this with a gigantic grain of salt. Okay. The Mullen Automotive Museum in Oxnard, California, is breathtaking with the French coach work that they have in there. Hmm. Peter Mullen has gobs of money, <laughs> and he's spent it all on cars. Well, not okay. all, but, but I hear your point. Gorgeous, yeah. amazing Delahaye and Oof. on and on, just gorgeous stuff. And they're perfect, and they're amazing. Yeah, you got to check out the Mullen Automotive Museum. It's a drive. Okay. It looks like in a weird warehouse area, but then once you're in there, nothing else matters. 
Wow. Okay, good. Uh, I'm going to try to answer this one quick and then jump to another one. Sleeper Scott on Instagram said he, he likes the podcast. Thank you so much. Glad to have you listening. His question, though, is do we get tired of talking about cars? <laughs> it's a great question. And, and we've talked about this. Here's, here's the thing. I don't understand this question. Here, here's the thing. I, I have to honestly say to you, Scott, I, I never get tired about it on the podcast. I never get tired about it when we're on a shoot. I, I will see cars randomly in a parking lot and talk about it. I like doing going to a cars and coffee. I never get bored in any of those situations. Where it's too much for me personally is when I'm out with my wife socially. We're at a party with a bunch of friends. Hmm, sure. I don't really want to talk about cars. However, it's like being the doctor in the room because everybody wants to talk to me about cars. So I'm driving this and I'm thinking about trading up. Sure. And you know what? I like talking cars. It's fun. I'm clearly passionate about it. So I'll end up having that conversation, which leads to another conversation about cars. And I realize I've been here all night and many topics have come up and I've been involved in none of them because I've been over here in the corner enjoying myself, but honestly still just talking about cars. Some of those situations like nice dinners with friends, you know what? I'm okay if we don't. I'd like to talk about you know what? You guys pick a topic. That's not cars. But yeah, I realize yeah. it's few and far between. But those are the only times when I'm just kind of like, yeah, I'm okay with no cars right now. Yeah, actually, it happens to me too. And there's subjects that both Todd and I love to talk about that are not car related, from mm-hmm. filmmaking to design to technology to sports and sure, sure. skiing and outdoors and mountain biking. Not sports so much, but I take your point. <laughs> well, you know, <laughs> I'm, I mean, I'm on just and on teasing on. you. Go on. You know, you're right. It's like being a masseuse and everybody sidles up to you and says, yeah, right here at the base of my neck, yeah. you know, hoping you'll reach over and For sure. try to get yeah, a yeah. free massage. It's that kind of thing where, yeah, you, you, it, I, I love it. And I thought after visiting Monterey Pebble Beach that I could never look at another car. And then four days later, I was fine. Four, it took you four days. I'm actually surprised. I thought you were like the day after. But anyway, <laughs> uh, Zach has asked an interesting question. Uh, really, it's, it's like a ponderance. Mm. He's sitting here going, why – why can I not get over this? Why do I constantly want to change cars? Why do I have a car I like and I'm still looking at other cars? Like this question. Why, why, why can't I find the perfect car? He's, he's gotten to the place where he's almost feeling like he's soul searching, going, what is wrong with me? First off, Zach, welcome. We all have this disease to this level. Yes. Secondly, you know what I think it is? I think it's, it's a, how do I put this? It's a hunter-gatherer thing. Follow me okay. here. Follow me here. Okay. Go back to uh, more primitive man. Okay, unenlightened man. Let's put it that way. The 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 okay. stereotypical. Uh, I have a club and I drag the woman around by her hair. Okay, I'm yeah. not endorsing this, but I'm going to this concept. You're painting I'm a picture. Saying, Got it. I'm saying the whole point was, or or go back to the the Middle Ages or, or the Dark Ages when men conquered a village and what do they do? They took all the women. Yeah. There is a natural instinct in humans where when we like something and want something, we are insatiable and we want to conquer it. Now, we live in a culture I'm, – I'm going off on a limb here, but follow me. We live in a culture where that related to other people is wholly unacceptable, as it should be. But I think we all wind up with things that still tap into that instinct. I really like shoes. Why do you have so many shoes? I really like watches. Why do you have so many watches? I really like cars. I just want more cars. It's something we can conquer. I think that same instinct, that conquering instinct, I've got it all. I've taken it all in. I've experienced it all. All of that is mine. It's a human nature for better and often for ill. Hmm. But in cars or whatever your hobby is, you can actually take part in that. The problem is cars are expensive. But this is why. Why on earth do people collect every Star Wars figure on the planet? <laughs> okay. You're going to have to tell me. 
Well, but but to your to you, why do you have enough watches? You can wear one on both wrists, and I have none. It, that doesn't speak to and whether ankles. or not. Exactly. Whether or not watches are worthwhile, it's just that that's not something that interests me. But you know what? I have, honestly, I have one back and six backpacks. Why do I have six backpacks? <laughs> I have six very nice backpacks. Or jackets, outdoor jackets, or Seriously, whatever the case. Why do we do this? I get it. When you have something you like, you just end up going, that, that wondering eye that isn't acceptable socially is acceptable in things. And cars, as something that are beautiful, really stoke that. That's my take. I like it. I'm going to add to that by saying, and I've, I've talked about this before, cars being part of the things that we have in our lives that we can curate, to your mm-hmm. point. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But this is the things that we have in our lives we choose for a certain reason. They're yeah. not just functional and good price. No, absolutely not. They're much beautiful. More than that. That's the art on our walls, the glasses we wear, the mm-hmm. shoes on your mm-hmm. feet, the clothes totally. we choose that are us, quote unquote, air quotes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This is my look. This is the things that I like in my life that I love looking at. That's, you know, why the stuff on your walls, honestly. Mm -hmm. So when you're into a thing and we always in this culture wanting the latest, newest, hottest, Mm -hmm. better, whatever, but it's in car land, it's hard to go buy that next thing. You know, it's hard to go get that next car. So we're just looking to feed that appetite. Yeah. So it definitely ties into what you're saying but also from a design point of view and then cars being a fashion item and Harley Earl from the color and trim department of GM in the twenties, recognizing this and capitalizing on planned obsolescence and now planned fashion obsolescence to Mm, make mm. you want the next style. Sure. 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 The perfectly good one will do just fine. Yeah. This one hasn't worn out and isn't working anymore. Yeah. I take that. Why replace it? Yeah. Theoretically, we could all drive our cars from this day forward forever for the rest of our lives. We could. We could. Keep putting parts and I think the Lotus rattles now. Wow. Okay, yeah. We could, though. You're right, though. You're you right. know, let's keep everything going. Mm-hmm. You know, where do car manufacturers make their money? They keep making parts. I think they're <laughs> legally obligated in the U.S. to just build parts for two years or something, but that's not a good financial decision. Mm. It's better to make parts. Just keep making parts. Yeah. Now. Cars are, you know, older cars are hard to find, 80s sure, cars, 70s sure, cars, sure. whatever. So the internet has helped us on all of that. But that's true. Yeah. And then new manufacturing processes, re-engineering parts for that kind of stuff. I'm off in the weeds, but you get my point. I do. And Zach, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave you with one little headline. And the person that lives this best in the world is actually Jay Leno. But I'm going to say this to you. As far as, as what's going to hurt the most, what's going to be the most problematic, this is my bit of advice to you, Zach. One spouse... And many, 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 many cars. Yeah. The other way around, far more destructive. <laughs> so there you go. <laughs> Excellent thought. Well, there's two guys on here. ER Zipperer asking me, Paul, how do you dry your cars after washing? <laughs> and also Doll 96 Paul, what do you do to, in order to avoid water spots on your car when washing it? And you're right. I wash in the shade. I'm not going to say I bought my house specifically because of the angle of the sun in the summer that would block the sun and actually cast a shadow onto my driveway. I'm not going to go that it's not far. not why, but you were thrilled when you discovered it. I, I did really delight in that. It was actually, a lot of it was flat driveway because I've seen the snowplow slide out of the neighbor's driveway and down the hill. You have a neighbor who's got a driveway that deserves climbing protection. <laughs> no kidding. I've watched the snowplow I'm not lose surprised. traction and slide into I'm the street. I'm not surprised. Going to, Hi, flat driveway, the end. That driveway is practically a Moab feature when it's dry. <laughs> no kidding. All right, so answering the questions is yes, in the shade. I like to wash in the shade, but if you can't, 
There is the water filter from Griot's Garage, of course. <laughs> of course you can you're buy. Going there. It's actually a filter you can attach in line in your hose that takes all the, the stuff, the hard water, out of your – or and the I, minerals out of your hard And water. I want to remind all of you, Paul had this feature 10 years ago. Well, yeah. So this is not Just, a – Griot said, talk about our water softener. Paul <laughs> said, I've, I've owed it. Anyway, I mean, yeah. I know it's an investment to go down the water softener route. Yeah, it is. However – I can't tell you the benefits. It's easier and faster to dry. The water acts differently on the surface. The car stays cleaner longer. I am such a proponent of the filter to take the, you are the, the minerals man. out. It's insane. But yes, wash in the shade. And then if you can't do any of that, well, you could buy a pop-up tent. But then it'd be <laughs> like casting blue light Stop. on your car. But just get to it immediately. After you finish washing, turn insane. off the hose and just start drying immediately. Insane. Uh, track Daily Crush. Oh, yeah. BMW, a lot of good ones tonight. BMW i8. Okay. <laughs> Jaguar F-Type. <laughs> Lexus LC500. Track Daily Crush. Oh, that's a hard one. It is a hard one. It is a very hard one. Okay, where are you at on this? I think, I think I'm tracking the Jaguar. I'm dailying the Lexus, and I'm crushing the i8. And I like the i8. Yeah. But I think that's what I'm doing. Having tracked the uh, the LC five hundred, I don't want that as a track car, but it is an amazing. I would love to own one. It's a very cool car. the The F type nice. surprises me every time I've driven it. I've driven it on the track, and it was really. I drove it on Streets of Willow, which is tight. Yeah, it and is. it was just fun. It, it was, was just fun. Really, yeah. really fun. So I would track that car, and yeah, crush the i eight, which wow. is still tragic. I can't crush the i eight. I can't do it. Okay, I daily that car. Okay, I can see that. I can see that. It's a hard one. I daily that track the Jag, crush the Lexus. Oh wow! Okay, yeah. all right. All the right. Lexus is great, and it scampered around the track, but crush it. All right, and it while, we're here, crushed. while we're here, while we're here, while we're here, Rick Johnson track, track daily cut, crush. Current gen Corvette Z06. Ooh. Current gen Camaro ZL1. Prior gen Camaro Z28. I know what I'd choose on this. Okay, go. I'm tracking the Z06, of course. Okay. I'm dailying the ZL1, and I'm crushing that prior gen Z28 because it was good at one thing. The other two cars could be interchangeable for everything. Yeah, I, I have, I have two, I have a couple answers here. I, I, I split this multiple ways. I, I totally see your point. The Z twenty eight was great. I think this might be the first track daily track daily crush where I would just say I'm going to crush both the Camaros and just drive the Vet. <laughs> That's my point. You could do everything Absolutely. with that car. Absolutely, but but if I but if I try to play a little bit more by the rules, I'll make one twist, and that is: is the current Camaro ZL one? the 1LE or not. If the current ZL1 in this scenario is not the 1LE, I'm crushing it. <laughs> I'm going to track the Z28 because that is where it's great. That's where it's great. And I will daily the Z06. Ooh. If the ZL1 is the 1LE, then that makes it competitive or possibly surpassing the Z28. Mm. So then the Z28 gets crushed. Mm. I've split that a lot of ways, but there's that. Wow. Okay, I'm still letting that sink in. TC Car Guy asked if we had the budget to each film a Top Gear style track review of a car you haven't Ooh. driven yet. What car and what track would each of us choose? Hmm. I landed on the Acura NSX at Suzuka. Oh, that's a good one. I haven't driven that track, haven't driven that car. Hmm. That is sort of like, you know, I could have gone Italian, to be honest. I was thinking something Ferrari ish, 
in San Marino or Monza, something mm, like that. I see that, yeah. But I want that accurate NSX, and then doing it in Japan would be awesome. Wow. Yeah. I'm 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 going to leave that. I'm I'm okay. a little stumped. I have to give that some thought. Right. I have to come back to that. Keep going. Fair enough. Fair enough. What other questions do you have? Uh, let's see. You know what? Uh, what is this? K K L H I I is the avatar. Uh, for someone who never tracks, never tracks, but likes canyon running, are the big boy cars C seven Z O six GT three fifty ZL one? Is this unusable? Are these cars that are only worthwhile on the track? Ooh. That's a good question. Yeah, excellent. That's a really thought. good question. I, I mm, you and I kind of disagree on power. In general, we do. <laughs> okay. I en- I enjoy it, but I walk away going, I don't need that. It's unnecessary. Because yeah. the thing for me is often and look at the cars I've owned or currently own, I want to feel like I can ring out the car I've got. I want to feel like I used all of what it's got often. And these big boy cars, it's hard to find the real estate. If ever. if It's, it's, re, it's genuinely yeah. hard. So in, in that end, I would say this. If, if we're talking canyon runs, you're never actually going to reach the edges of those cars on a canyon run. No, no. Or someone might die. I mean, these are kind of your options, okay? You're <laughs> going to launch yourself. I can see my house from here. I mean, it's that kind of thing, okay? These, these are the options. You're probably not going to find the edges of those cars on any canyon run you can imagine. It doesn't mean they're not fun. And I Good. think, Good differentiation. I think, look at our PCH piece where we have that C7Z06. We had a blast. It was far too much power for the PCH anywhere we were. It was far too much power. It was far too much power for Laguna Seca. It, it was, thank you. Thank you. It was far too much power for the track in places. Oh, yeah, in places, yeah. Okay? But at the same time, I did feel like in both those situations, it would be interesting to live with that car for a while and get to a place where I felt like I had grown into it. But tracking okay. was the thing that made the Z06 feel really worth it. Otherwise, I would have been nor- fine in the normal Stingray. If we were just doing PCH, normal Stingray with 450 horsepower, would have been fine. Oh, it would have been amazing, yeah. So uh, there's a borderline here. I think only if you're a person where the real laugh for you, and I'm not saying there's people out there that are this way, and I get it, where the real laugh for you is just the sheer warp speed of acceleration, then they become worth it. But you're only going to do that like a second here and a second there. This is my problem with the Hellcats. Yeah. You so rarely use all that power. I am of the mind that if you're really doing canyon runs, back it off on power, worry about the handling. But that's the thing I like. That's my proclivity. Figure out, well, kill me and back it off a little. Exactly. Just like one notch back from that and I'm good. Right. So, But I agree. There is a real, there's a genuine argument here that all of these cars are more powerful than you will ever. Certainly, let me put it this way. They're all more powerful than anyone needs. And more okay. powerful than 90% of people will ever actually touch. It doesn't mean you might not buy one because you like that laugh. And a lot of that is sales. That definitely translates to sales. The marketing department has to say this one's more powerful than the last. We can't go backwards. What are we talking about? (laughs) What on earth? A slight, tiny counterpoint to that. I figured. figured And that is the power that gets you to that place on track or the place in the road so much more quickly than building up your speed, holding your speed out of the corner. Yeah. Say uh, MX-5 Miata and the Z06 can go both go 125 over the crest of the hill at Laguna. Okay. 
but one card gets you there. You're going to have to rocket propel the MX-5 to 120. Well, you know what I mean. At, at some I t- point. I take your point. I take your point. The getting there, do you, it teaches you different things about the power. Mm-hmm. What do you do with that power at the crest of the hill? Do you continue to uh, you know, stick your foot in it? Do you maintain? Do you hold? Or are you still rolling onto the power only to get off sooner mm. in the Mazda? What are you doing with that power? And then setting yourself up for the next corner like yeah. you do a pool shot. Yeah. You're setting yourself up for either I know I can rock it out of the corner because I've got the power to get through that. Or do I need to set myself very differently mm-hmm. because I don't have power? It's different driving. So, so I'm coming in mm-hmm. and different cars teach you different things about Absolutely. that track. So Absolutely. I, I like having the power to understand what a different line will do because both cars are taking different lines. For sure. Yeah, I see that. So I do like the power for that lesson. Yeah. But otherwise, you're right. Does anybody need the 750 horsepower ZR1? Well... The Indianapolis pace car does. What? Well, but but it's need, slow compared but to need the is cars. a big is a big question here. I don't think anybody needs it. Well, Some of us want to laugh about the fact that we have it, but need is just not doesn't even enter the discussion. Well, yeah, I, we we could debate that, but all right. I'm trying to think what else in here. Uh, there was something else. Oh, Shobin, he asked, "What is the best way to turn the steering wheel?" Oh yeah, I saw this. He said, "I already know to keep your hands at nine and three, but is it better to cross your arms over like Formula One drivers?" Mm-hmm. Or move your hand, shuffle your hands on the wheel. I'm going to say for 99% of your driving, Shobin, you're going to need to move your hands. Take your hands off the wheel and move them. But ideally, you would keep them not crossed over. You would keep you know one hand on each side and shuffle the wheel for the most part. Formula One drivers really, and Lama drivers, are the only people that need to cross their arms completely over. Well, but they're also setting up the actual steering rack for every track purposely. Yes, and the steering ratios lock to exactly. locker much faster. Yes, and they vary them for Monaco versus yes. you know, wherever else. They yes. vary the steering ratio, which is nutty to think about. Now, for high-speed corners, that kind of thing, no, you never need to move your hands because you're never going past, I don't know, 90 degrees of movement. Mm-hmm. You're not going past 45 degrees of movement. Mm-hmm. So you okay, you know, never need to move your hands. But for most okay. track situations, yeah, you're going to be moving your hands. And you want to have quick hands. Look at what drifters do. I mean, they're, yeah. they're always quick hands, quick hands. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to say, yeah, I, don't, I don't know that I fully agree with you. It depends on the track. It depends I think on it, the situation. Yes. I, I think... Imagine your Canyon Road, high-speed yeah. stuff. You're not moving your hands. My answer, Chauvin, is all of the above. Because what you don't want to do is fully cross over. Formula wanna, One drivers do. You don't want to fully it. cross over until your forearms are touching each other because what if you need more? That's a bit of a problem. Yeah. But what's nice about not moving your hands, and I drive this way most of the time in the Lotus, is that if you end up moving one hand, when you come back to, to centered, everybody's where you need it to be, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. You cross your arms over, but if you, if you lift your left hand off, I'm turning left. I've crossed my right hand over. I lift my left hand off. If I pull my right hand back to start, I'm going straight. There's an easy way to keep track of exactly where the wheel is if you've got one hand kind of always on and never moving. Once you start shuffling, there's a little bit of confusion there, and now it's you're not exactly sure which way is up. That works in drifting. But it's not as good in other driving situations. In most other driving situations, you're not going to turn that much. But the no. minute you're about to cross over, you got to start shuffling. You just have to. Yeah, so you I have think to it's, anyway. it's a very much a situational thing. I almost always stay nine and three, and yeah. never yeah. take a hand off the wheel except to shift. And they're always hanging out there unless I really get into a massive hairpin. 
And that's usually a slower speed kind of a situation. Yes, agreed. And agreed. that's when you're moving your hands. Wow, so many questions. We've got to wrap things up for this podcast. But guys, thank you again for all your social media questions. Endlessly entertaining. There's tons more here. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, there are. Okay, so maybe we'll get to those on some subsequent podcasts. Possibly, yeah. Unless you've got anything else you want to touch well, on. Well, I mean, there's a lot. But I, you know what? I'm going to touch on Michael's really quickly. Okay. Michael Conti says, when shopping for a used card, is there a certain mileage that we that is just a no-go? Clear, oh. Clearly not for me. With my 60,000-mile Lotus Elise and my 180-plus-thousand-mile Mini Cooper. <laughs> he, but he's, he's saying, does it depend on manufacturer? Does it depend on ownership? What's it depend on? I'm going to say, for me personally, it's always about what is the story of of this car. Oh, yeah. yeah. And that story is who were the owners? How did the owners treat it? This is why I bought a 180,000-mile Mini. Okay? This is why I bought a 60,000-mile Lotus. But the thing yep. that, that gives me pause in every situation is I always look up where are the major expensive service intervals because people have a tendency to dump cars on or right before that number. And that <laughs> means... warranties expires. That means they haven't done it. Yeah. Porsches yeah. are a great example. You'll see a ton of them that were dropped before 40, 80, or 120,000 miles yeah. because those are the expensive service intervals. Yeah. So that doesn't necessarily give me pause, but it educates me to the fact of this car is instantly more expensive than I think it is. Yeah, for sure. Because the minute I get it, I'm going to have to do all of that stuff. So when I start looking at mileage, I always cross-reference what are the service interval mileage, and I might avoid those cars just so I know I don't have to do that service the minute I buy it. And that informs your buying decision, especially your offer on the car. If knowing for sure it does. That car is going to need the mileage or whatever the, uh, yeah, the yeah, service yeah. is. For sure, for sure. And you're going to offer them a whole lot less because yeah. it's not done. It's yeah. you say, I've got to put all this money into it. I'm going to make you $3,000 less on yeah. my offer. And, and, you know, or if I'm shopping for the car and thinking about doing it, making sure, has this been done? Somebody, yeah. Somebody give me a definitive answer because I need to know. Yeah, for sure. All right. We will leave it there, guys. Thank you again. Looking forward to next time. Cheers. Let me tell you about Pete, who loved hockey and always wanted to play in the NHL. Pete played since he was three and begged his mom to let him stay on the ice. Why, some nights he even slept in his hockey skates. Pete practiced and practiced until one day when he was 47 Pete realized he just wasn't that good, so he threw his skates in the trash. But then he heard how Geico, proud partner of the NHL, could save him money on car insurance. So he switched and saved a bunch. So it all worked out. I'm Rita Foley with an AP News Minute. Federal government worker Blake Murray in D.C. says he's pretty much had it with the partial government shutdown. It's pretty demoralizing, um, you know, and I feel like kind of a pawn in a political game and totally powerless. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi is asking President Trump to postpone his January 29th State of the Union address, citing security concerns. But Republicans say this is just politics, shutdown politics, a move intended to keep President Trump off the national stage. Going to prison for 20 years, a Tennessee teacher who took a 15-year-old student and ran for weeks Prosecutor Dan Cochran. I think it's a serious sentence. 20 years is a significant amount of time. He's going to have all that time to think about what he did, the consequences of it. We asked for 30, obviously, but 20 is a very serious sentence, and we feel good about it. An employee and a customer at an IHOP restaurant in Huntsville, Alabama, were killed in a shooting that also injured another employee. I'm Rita Foley.